Welcome, welcome, welcome to Tipping Points. Tipping Points is a politics podcast brought to you by the People's Empowerment Project. We're recording here in Kingston, New York, the old capital of Kingston, New York. Yes, indeed. Um, And it's December 22nd, 2019. Guys, 2019 is almost over. That's crazy. It's the future. Welcome to the future. <laughs> We've got fun and games. Oh, nice. Good one. Um, with us tonight is uh, Matthew Edge, who is the uh, the founder and director of the People's Empowerment Project, um, uh, known as Pep or Peppa. And uh, yeah, how's it going, Matt? How are you? I'm doing good. Hanging in there. Hanging in there. You're just like a cat on a poster with his little claws and a branch hanging in there. Trying to get through, uh, are we in the fourth year of the Trump administration now? Is it the fourth year? Is that how it's going into it? Yeah. Okay. God, good Lord. All right. With us also tonight, we have two new guests who've never been with us on the tipping points. Um, we have Lacey Johnson. Lacey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Good evening. Um, yeah, I guess you could call me a billionaire lover. Um, I think that billionaires deserve what they earned. You know, this Mm. is America. This, that's the American dream to reach that level. Okay. And I play the lotto and, you know, I work really hard on my job. I'm looking for like a stable husband situation, Mm. but I would Mm. love to one day be a billionaire, right? Like. I would love to be able to go and, like, visit a wine cave or own a wine cave. Wow. Well, luckily tonight, it sounds like we're recording from a wine cave. Um, (laughs) Yes, very classy. Uh, Well, this is very interesting because, Lacey, tonight we also have with us, we have Jay Bridge Goldsacks, who um, you may have seen in the news lately, uh, happens to be a, a wealthy American. Hi, Jay Bridge. Welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to be here. Wow, Jaybridge. Yeah, um, it, it is wonderful to have you here. I have recently seen you on the cover of Fortune magazine. You've been out there. <laughs> Jaybridge, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I mean, you may have heard some of the recent attacks in the news or during the debates, perhaps, but I just, I'll tell you that I, what I am all about. And, you know, first and foremost, my gold brick factory which has been producing all-American-made gold bricks for 300 years. That's right. Yeah, no, it's family heirloom, One right? One of the I mean... only factories that cannot and will not be outsourced. A construction concern that specializes in building wine caves, also under my belt. I've built a lot, designed a lot of luxury. Well, I didn't design them, but, you know, my people have designed a lot of luxury of course, wine caves. Of course, yes. Can I shake your hand? Maybe after the interview, yes. Um, and the and of course, Ubundle, which you might have heard about, which is like Uber, but we deliver you bundlers. And in most major cities, we can get you a bundler within 15 minutes. Wow, that is that's amazing because that's actually a topic we will be discussing tonight. Um, bundlers kind of uh, plays an important role in our discussion and uh, this election. Um, well, thank you so much for being here, Jaybridge. My pleasure. And uh, and Lacey, thank you so much. 
Um, we really hope to hear from you and your perspectives in this, because this is kind of an important debate. I've got a couple things. There's so many things, so many things in the news, so many things. First and foremost, there is impeachment. Uh, we just got to put it out there that it exists. Um, any hot takes? Couple, couple of, couple of quick words. Hot takes on impeachment. Anybody? Impression? Jay Bridge? How'd you like those tax cuts? Oh, they were great. Great! <laughs> great. Keep them coming, baby! Part of your core support, it sounds like. Wow. Um, Lazy, any thoughts on impeachment? Anything? I mean, it's obviously kind of a... Um, it, it, it's been in the news a lot, but it's a little I bit wonky in some ways. I paying attention. Not paying attention. I yeah. haven't been paying attention. I think a lot of Americans might not be. Right? It seems kind of boring to me. I don't know. Yeah, well, it is. It's a lot of people sitting in Congress, talking, doing investigations. A lot of, a lot of, like you know, guys in suits yelling at each other about topics. I can understand how it would seem. It is boring, isn't it, Lacey? I, I think that what you might find more interesting is the show that my one of my companies recently made. That's kind of about the U.S. political system, but it's fictionalized. And I think that really is more exciting. What's it, what is the name of that show, Jay Bridge? Oh, I think there's a few that would fit the description. <laughs> I won't try to choose which one. Uh, but, um, you know, the, the one where there's a corrupt president, that one. But it's it's fictional. Oh, fictional. And it's really, it's it's great. I recommend it. If, if you're tired of the news, you should watch fiction that's very similar to the news. Jay Bridge, you do own a number of media concerns. And we just want to put it out there that our podcast is in no way affiliated with any of those corporate media um, products or uh, businesses. Um, but, yeah, so impeachment's happening. Um, Matt, not exactly excited about it. We'll see how it goes. I think we just got to put it out there it's that this is happening. Thing. It's a good thing. It seems like maybe it's a good thing that somebody's calling the president out on something that he's been doing. And I think it's an interesting tactic that Nancy Pelosi has taken of not letting it go to the Senate until she gets her terms met. It's about time that... Democrats started playing hardball like the Republicans do. Yeah, so we're kind of stalled out for the moment uh, before uh, anything actually moves forward to the Senate, and the Senate might just uh, not uh, actually conduct most of an, much of an investigation and clear them of all the charges, and maybe this is all for naught, which would be... Or maybe you just leave it here. Maybe you just never send it to the Senate. Yeah. Why bother giving them that space? It's crazy, because it seems like maybe that maybe means... They'll run the hearing. Jay Bridge, you're close friends with Mitch McConnell, I understand. You, you guys have... Uh, golf together and your faith in Mitch and his ability to see impeachment in the Senate. If you, if you think you know what's going to happen, just, just keep an eye, keep an eye. That's all I'll say. Wow. Slightly ominous there. Um, okay. Also in news, we got the cop 25, which is the, the climate change conference that happened, um, just recently in Madrid. Um, again, we can just mention this quickly. It is interesting to note that it was scheduled to happen in Brazil Jair Bolsonaro canceled or declined to host. In case you don't know, he's the, the neo-fascist. The Trump of Brazil. The Trump of Brazil, yeah. Also a friend of yours, I believe, right, Jay Bridge? Yes, we play um, Amazonian logging together. That's right. Mm. I've, I've heard about some of your uh, interests in the Amazon. How does um, that go? You like, like, like... It's kind of like uh, bowling, okay, but okay. with big machines. You just... Run them right into the forest and you'll see how many you can knock down. <laughs> so uh, it was going to be in Brazil, and then it it moved to Chile, and then Chile, the political... Erupts. Chile in erupts into massive protests and destabilizes there, and they have to move it again to Madrid 
Um, and it was hosted in Madrid. Um, uh, Ironically, Greta- the, you know, the, the birthplace of much of what's wrong in South America. <laughs> oh, hey, you got to go back to the imperialism source. Yeah, um, yeah Greta Thunberg was there. Um, obviously, uh, a lot of people saying that things are not uh, being done to address the climate crisis. And then a lot of uh, business leaders and politicians um, uh, attempting to... Uh, apparently not create change fast enough to address the problem. Yeah. Is that their goal? I don't know. Um, Lacey, I, as, as a, an everyday American, do you think that climate change and working at an international level is kind of an important goal to address the climate crisis? I feel like the reports are pretty alarmist. I mean, the climate warming is something that just happens every now and again, Right. And carbon levels have, in, like, history of the Earth, been way higher than they are right now. So, oh. um... So you're buying I don't know, you're It buying feels it. a little bit overblown, you know? Uh, mm. yeah. you're, you're not concerned. You're not... I'm not concerned. Have you seen... Have you seen the videos in Australia? Of, I mean, it, it... Australia is on fire, right? Sydney itself, the air quality is... is you can't even go outside during the peak of some of these fires and the air quality in some of the major cities, a huge swaths of Australia on fire Sounds with like all fake news to me. <laughs> fake. You think it's fake news? Yeah. Where did you see that on CNN? I, I mean, it's all, all over the place. I mean, it's being recorded by the government of Australia itself. Although apparently the, the leader of Australia is on vacation right now during this crisis. He is a conservative who does, is not concerned about the climate crisis. Um, Jaybridge, you have a number of investments in the fossil fuel industry. Thank you. <laughs> Definitely not a compliment. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Jaybridge, you, you are smoking a huge cigar made out of coal right now. <laughs> Jaybridge. Jaybridge, we're gonna have to you're gonna have to put that out. Um, but Jaybridge, do you have any do you have any thoughts on the climate crisis right now and the the COP twenty five negotiations? I think that the less that any countries can organize together to do anything about this, the better. The 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 less organization, the better. Yeah, the less planning going on and interrupting the free market. The better, Matt. That kid, are you? Do you believe that you're hearing this? He's saying that the free market somehow may be the solution to the climate crisis. Why is that Clearly. not the case? Okay, all right, Jay Bridge. Please put the cigar out. <laughs> well, I mean, it speaks to sort of the central, you know, reason for for organizing. The big moneyed interests are buying the governments and sending them to this conference, and of course, nothing's getting done. And so that's why we're we're here trying to to take a peek at, at getting money out of politics and, and how we can do that in this country uh, in 2019 going into 2020 elections and it's critical. I mean, if we have 11 years, is what the the, um, was it the international panel on climate change was saying. Uh, we can't afford to not have like Trump lose. Like, I just like that's not like that would be sort of like game over. Yeah, I've been noticing. I I've been thinking a lot. I. I've been realizing, and it connects into the kind of the some of the protests that are happening in Chile, but also protests that are happening um, in Hong Kong uh, and then in France. France, in particular, right, is on general strike right now. They're shutting down transportation, schools. Um, it is a massive um, protest movement, um, and I've been realizing that there's a couple of things. And one is 
I realized the the pure uh, the total amount of land and people in the world right now being governed by authoritarian governments or democracies that are authoritarian governments um, or at least look like democracies act as because um, when you go down the list where you go okay okay Russia. Um, obviously, uh, problematic, not very democratic, not really doing anything to address climate change. China, it's a huge tipping point, you know, globally, the, the, where democracy is right now. And that's why, I mean, you know, this election is so important. Yeah, right. I mean, it's because we kind of lead, right? Like, would there be a Jared Bolsonaro if there wasn't a Donald Trump? Would, um, in the UK, would Boris Johnson... Boris Johnson just crushing, crushing it in the UK. Yeah. Um, and, and that's it, dangerous. That's dangerous. Like our chances of, 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 of beating the climate crisis in the next 11 years just went down. Yes. Yeah. So conservative governments all around the world in, in India, uh, Modi, his government is a Hindu nationalist government that just proposed really restrictive laws on who can come into the country. And potentially it eventually will lead to who is right. An Indian citizen. Laws. Yeah, and, and that kind of nationalism and that kind of discrimination and that kind of scapegoating goes hand in hand with the other couple of things, which would be like lack of democracy, lack of getting money out of politics, lack of addressing climate change. So I, I just, again, having this moment of realizing we're in – democracies are being eroded all around the world, and America's leading the way. We're leading the way. The, leading the way downward. Downward. We're leading the way downward. <laughs> yes. You know, we used to say we're propping up democracy all over the world, but at this point we are, we, we, we're crumbling fast and furious and other people are like, hey, we should do that. We could run a campaign based upon pointing fingers and scapegoating and being a strong man and having rich friends and that that might win and people might support that. Anyways, so we're talking about in American politics, leading the way um, downwards. How can we reverse that? How can we maybe uh, stabilize move upwards, forwards, onwards. Um, and one of the things obviously would be getting money out of politics. How do you feel about that, Jay Bridge? Getting money out of politics in general? I am against that. <laughs> You're currently holding up two large sacks that have dollar signs on them right now. These are my gold sacks. <laughs> like my name, gold sacks. These are two of my gold sacks. Okay. Are those going to be donated to a campaign? Oh, of course not. Oh, I'm I sorry. Just, I just brought these to sit on. Okay. All right. All right. Well, and actually, that's the amazing thing is that you have so much money. It takes so little to buy a politician. Yeah. Well, only one or two of these gold bricks usually does the job. <laughs> sorry. I don't mean to laugh. I mean, that's the it, thing. I mean, the, the amount of money that, that like ExxonMobil has, like just a, a fraction of that, like I take a tenth of that is more like that they made one year in profits is yeah. more than the combined war chests of Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and Mitt Romney combined. It's a huge, huge amount of money. And we know that they got that money that's, by... And that's just, a, that's like pocket lint for them, buying yes. elections. Yeah. But that's, it's, it's actually not that much money, which is why we can crowdfund, which is kind of a cool concept. Yes. So, so well, this brings us into the kind of the, the big picture, right? So I, I think for me, I, I would like to say that the tipping, the tipping point we're really focusing on here is uh, America potentially re regaining some of its footing in, a, in the worlds of democracy and popular will and maybe leading on climate change um, in the face of authoritarianism and popular uprisings against it. Can we actually be leading those uprisings we as a nation? A I mean, we're... Well, yes, we don't have a choice. Um, does that sound radical to you at all, Lacey? Does that, I mean, do you think America's on the wrong track? Um, 
I think we're we've been going at a pretty good. I mean, the the economy has been doing great, and okay. so that indicates to me that we're doing pretty good. And to be honest, I'm generally not a fan of protesting. Um, okay. Yeah. It, they can get violent. Mm. People end up vandalizing neighborhoods, um, shooting at cops. Mm. That's not who I want to run society. Right. But do you think I want people yeah. who are shooting cops to be running society? Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, do you, but do you think that people protesting or going on strike for so in in France it's people going on strike to attempt to uh, keep their retirement age from going up. So it's economic concerns, and they're going on strike. They're not going into work. You're you're concerned that that would. I mean, you know, you're you're equating them with cop killing cops. You know how you get things done. Okay. How. Well, you don't get things done by yelling in somebody's face. Okay. Okay. You get things done <laughs> with with honey, right? You okay. get more bees with honey. Honey, that's how I get things done. That's how other people should get things done. <laughs> wow. Okay. That that's interesting because that kind of gets into a, into one of the main. It's the really the main topic we're talking about tonight, which is um, kind of uh, how how you get things done and. Who you have to do business with to get things done. But first, let's, okay, so let's re, let's readdress, um, we'll revisit, uh, the rubric, right? So, uh, Matt, um, you've been working on this big project for a while to develop a rubric of who can beat Trump, right? With the idea that the only way to get money out of politics is by beating Trump. Um, and we've talked a lot about that. Um, the rubric, the rubric is like 18 different factors and things that we weigh, the objective factors that we empirically test hypothesis about what we think is the best criteria for beating Trump and then compare all the candidates to it. And it's, it's part of our effort to give, uh, the loose ownership of this podcast and, and generally the, you know, the people's empowerment project, um, uh, a tool support, support base and people who are interested in what we're doing and you know, people who are part of the money out of politics voting block who sign up to know where, where candidates stand the money in politics and who's going to, not just where they stand, but who's most likely to deliver. Yeah. And so if, if, if we're asking the question of who's most likely to deliver on campaign finance reform, we have to first cross the, like the threshold question is who can be Trump. And so that's what we tackled first. And what we're talking about tonight is like a, a, a second, second part of the test, which is like assuming, you know, they're elected, who's most likely to deliver. The first part of the, the test showed Bernie Sanders well in the lead. You should go back to previous podcasts. Talk, we're talking about this all the time. Um, and, and then shows uh, Biden and Warren neck and neck. Um, and, uh, and then Buttigieg uh, losing to Trump. Um, so, so that's sort of like the, the background of, of, of where we're talking and sort of, yeah, the threshold question. Okay. Yeah. So we got, we have the rubric yeah. and the rubric gives us some indicators of who can beat Trump with the idea that the reason you beat Trump is you got to, that's the only way you can get money out of politics. Um, and so, so, so we're going to average these two things together. So we're going to give the candidates a score based on the second part of the test, which is how well they, you know, so basically we're going to look at, what their, their 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 history has been, their life have they have they do have a history of, of bucking corporate power, or do they have a history of largely following what corporate power is? Do they have a history of um, doing only like doing supporting the policies that only when they're popular? Or do they like you know 
only get on the right side of history when it's popular, or do they get out in front of things? And are they willing to take risks? Are they willing to, you know, or are they just about serving their political interests? And so I think, you know, taking a look at their history, some of their votes and some of their their practices and their fundraising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where are they getting their money? Are they getting money from billionaires? Are they getting money from the little guy? Um, and so we want to try to um, look at the averages of, of small donors ratio uh, to large donor ratio because that's a really good indicator there. And so we're going to try to get a sense of, of who's who's likely going to be able to buck the powers. I mean, it's it's got to be one of the most corrupting offices in the planet. And it's going to have tremendous pressure on whoever that person is to, 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 to kowtow to, to the special interests. So, so we need, yeah, we're going to just sort of try to do our best to try to, you know, make an assessment of, of where they stand. Okay, so before we, before we get into a couple of the candidates here, there's a, a I mean, Jaybridge, why, why do you think money sh- should have a role in politics? I mean, do you think that your influence, obviously you've been connected to a number of candidates in the past, um, and you've been known to bundle, so you go out and you find friends of yours who've got money, and you, you pick a candidate, you support them. Why do you think that's, that should be part of our democracy? What, what does that serve? Well, that is simply how it has always worked, and it seems to mm. be working just fine to me. <laughs> to you. To you, it seems to be working fine. Do you, but do you, think yeah. it, do you think it corrupts the political process? Yeah, corruption, not corruption, but, does it really matter? But what about all, like, the people, like, there's, like, huge, like, homeless populations, like, don't you think those people should have a voice? And- I think those people need to get to work and make a living. Oh, boy. Okay, so the 50% of Americans who have basically no wealth, right? They have no savings. That they, or negative wealth. Do you, do you think that they don't have a voice in the political process? I mean, of course not. <laughs> well, what about a vote? I mean, they have a vote, right? They have a vote. Oh, I mean, hypothetically, they have a vote, but I mean, let's be real. But you're saying I mean, forbid we let the unwashed masses have like a yeah oh, say. Exactly. Wait, now you're you, speaking my language. But do you think that they should? Not, you don't think they should have a say? Oh, I mean, they obviously have the right to vote. <laughs> I mean, come on, you know, this is America, but. Should they have a say? No, not really. <laughs> okay, so this See, this why? gets into an argument about like that maybe because you're a wealthy man with the uh, you work all over the world, you have connections all over the world, you have you're friends with powerful, important people that you would know better for America. You you know what's best for America. Yes, <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it doesn't. Absolutely, you understand perfectly. <laughs> I, 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 I'm you not are agreeing. going somewhere, not boy. Agreeing. Lacey, um, I have a question for you, Lacey. I mean, do do you think that your vote matters? I maybe oh boy. In the presidential. In the presidential, I'll, I vote in the presidential because I know the names of the candidates. Mm. And but you don't. I know that that's like a really important one. Okay. Uh, do you? Well, do you live in, a, in an influential swing state? That would be important. I mean, are you an independent voter? Do you have? A, I don't know. You don't know what that is. Okay, oh, boy. All right, Lacey. Okay, um, okay. Um, but what do you think about Jay Bird's idea that you know maybe wealthy people should have more of an influence, more more power in that situation? More wine Aren't they a constituent too? Like they're constituents. Okay. They should. What? They have the right. It's okay. like they're. That is them exercising their constitutional right. Uh, like their freedom of speech. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, I mean, if I wanted to give to a candidate, I could give too. 
And so I don't see how I should be treated with more privilege but than them. It doesn't bother you that the gentleman to your right has several wine caves and you don't have any. That doesn't that doesn't I would like you? to ask you on a date. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. We may have a love a connection. Man? Uh, Lacey, that's very sweet of you. That's that's. I don't see how we could go on a date together. But um, thank you, though. I'm flattered. Jaybridge, Jaybridge is uh, recently left his fourth wife. Um, all right, wait, hold on. He only dates women from Ivy League schools. <laughs> oh boy, wow, Jaybridge. So you're old school money here. You're old school. That's kind of cold. Okay, so Matt, it sounds like we're dealing with two people here who obviously don't really have a problem with Citizens United. They don't have a problem with money equaling free speech. Um, obviously, you have a problem with this. You think? Yeah, I think. I just I'm getting the I'm getting that sense. Um, but okay, so let, should we talk about these candidates a little bit? We've been talking about wine caves a lot. Hey guys, maybe we should talk about Buttigieg, right? The, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. He's, he's winning, uh, in, uh, in Iowa right now, the primary, like is the, if the primary were today, if in the polls are accurate, and I think that Bernie will have a surge because of his, his ability to get people who aren't polled out to vote. So I, it may actually be close, but the current polls show Buttigieg in the lead in Iowa and in, in a statistical tie in New Hampshire uh, with Bernie Sanders. And so that's that's scary. It's it's scary for you, yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying. Well, okay, so let's talk a little bit about Buttigieg and why maybe – because, hey – um, he, he served in the military. He's exceedingly intelligent. He went to Oxford and Harvard. He, uh, intelligent doesn't, he's young. If you're doing intelligent things like that are evil and creepy and you're taking money from, from sketchy corporations when we need to take the power back like now more than ever. Okay. So that's one of the biggest things, uh, would be that he has not said he was not, he, he's taking money from big bundlers. Uh, Jaybridge, have you given money to Buttigieg? Have you given? Uh, I mean, that's kind of no. Personal but lot. I think that he does use our Ubundle service um, to. Um, he's got the app to find the bundlers. I believe that he has the app. Yes, he's a user. Right, you can track who has the app. Oh, of course, yeah. Where can we go if we want to find out? Like, if we want to get this service for the for the bundling. Well, if you have at least. Um, a billion dollars, you can sign on to Ubundle and then you can learn all about it. But otherwise, I'm afraid I can't really make an account for you. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, this is, yeah. All right. Oh, it's that. It's yeah. Okay. Exclusionary. Okay. So, yeah. But, so, well, and this came this came to the fore this week. Uh, we've been mentioning wine caves a lot. Um, but this came to the fore because Buttigieg was called out for having a fundraiser in a crystal wine cave in California. Um, uh, Jaybridge, I believe some of your friends were there. Um, you know, that's, you don't have to name names. No, no, You got a big smile. Okay. All right. No, you don't have to name names, but yeah, so he's, he's taking money from, there were, there were very wealthy people in a fancy crystal wine cave. There was $900 bottles of wine, $900 bottles of wine. That's hard to say. $900 bottle of wine. That's a cheap bottle of wine. Where? I I want to find a wine cave near me that I could get one for only nine hundred. That's a that's a deal. Well, okay, and is this that is, like a Tuesday night special, Jaybridge. Maybe you can inform me. I've been very out. I maybe I'm out of touch. I have never been in a wine cave. I didn't know that wine caves existed. Yeah. I mean, I maybe like I assume maybe like monks in the old country used to have wine caves where they make wine. But this is like a glittering, fancy wine cave. I'm I'm confused about this. What is a wine cave? Why does it exist? Uh, well, 
for those of you who might not know about wine caves, the wine cave is a place to age your fine wines, sometimes for 10, 20, 30, 100, 200 years. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think... It's, it's often, well, the ones that we design, you know, through the construction concerns that I have a hand in, uh, we specialize in wine caves that are above and beyond, you know, see-through floors, mm. tube-shaped elevators, crystal chandeliers, large Christmas trees made out of coal, and other <laughs> interesting decorations that the wealthy... Yeah, this is something that, Matt, I mean, it's, I think most Americans don't have a concept of how wealthy the wealthy are and how disconnected we all are from their experience so it's part of what obviously like donald trump what is it the top two has top two percent has more wealth than the bottom 50 percent at some point i believe it was just the walton heirs had more wealth than the bottom 50 i don't know but yeah the huge concentration of that Lacey, again i mean do you, I mean, you aspire to be in a wine cave as, as an everyday American, as a middle-class American? You want to you wanna be able to be in that wine cave. Is that the idea? And you wouldn't want to be in, in, I mean, did you see those pictures? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I've never been invited. I, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just a little jealous, I guess, huh? Um, yeah, I think you need to look at yourself in the mirror. Okay, well, this brings up a really important point, which is, Obviously, as you gain political power, the wealthy and the powerful want to be your friend. Obviously, as you become an influential person, and Pete Buttigieg has really, he's getting the backing of a lot of wealthy, powerful individuals um, who see him as kind of a safe bet. Yeah, there's another thing that came out recently, too, with Buttigieg. So we have a couple of concerns here that we're going to have to quantify. But one is he's relying on bundlers. He has not said he's not going to take corporate money, Right. We also have we he's he's obviously hosting these very fancy events. He originally was not going to actually allow the press in or allow recordings of these events. You've seen released. the recordings of the press asking him. They're like, uh, uh, "Why can't we come into to all of these fundraisers?" And the, his squirmy answers were just like, Ugh, "It just made you want to kind of puke." You're just like, it was so clear that he was just like another creepy politician. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's another concern. But there is one final piece, which is the oh, uh, Jay Bridge. You have something that you want to what? What's... I mean, why should the press be allowed into our little boys' club? Okay, so you, you okay, Jay Bridge? Okay, <laughs> so you just you believe that you deserve that privacy, even if even if it's every American deserves privacy. It's my right to have privacy from the press. Okay, all right, yeah. Gotcha. Although some would argue that obviously you're influencing the political process. The the candidate may be making promises behind closed doors that you cannot hear. Hillary Clinton, I mean, there was recordings being released of her saying things that she would not say in public behind closed doors, right? So this is a concern. Um, we also have the fact that it came out that uh, well, mayor the recordings of, of Biden telling the insurance company executives that and Wall Street executives that, hey, Nothing's fundamentally going to change. And if it weren't for that being leaked, mm. we never would have heard that. That's happening all the time. These politicians behind closed doors are promising things to the corporate elites, and it secures their funding for their political future. Yeah. And, yeah, of course they have an interest in keeping the press out. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, and it's highly problematic, right? Because they're they're talking about things like 
how will insurance companies be affected by his administration? How will healthcare be handled? How will fossil fuels be regulated? They're having these conversations. Why else would they want to sit down and have a meal with them? Why else would they even be there? They're not just there to talk about, you know, how their day was or their dogs. They're talking about policies, right? They're talking about real things. Um, and another thing that came out too this week was, and it's part of, so obviously part of the attraction to Buttigieg is the narrative. He is a gay veteran who is incredibly smart and he's the mayor at a very young age of a town and he's worked really hard to blah, 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 blah. But one of the things that came out this week is that after graduating from Oxford, or it was Harvard and Oxford, he was a both, that he worked for a company called the McKinsey Company, uh, McKinsey Consulting Company. And McKinsey is a huge consulting corporation that works all over the world, including with Saudi Arabia, right? They work, they're starting to work with countries. Um, and they've been working with corporations for a long time. And what they do with corporations for the most part is help them figure out how to increase their bottom line, how to get money back to the shareholders and how to increase your stock. And for the most part, their advice is, uh, you need to, you always need to support deregulation. You always need to lay people off and you always need to increase pay for the wealthiest people in that company, for the people who are working at the top of that company. And so he's working for this giant, huge consulting firm that it works, you know, lockstep with corporations and now governments as well, authoritarian governments all over the world. And that people are questioning like, well, what does that say about someone who is this brilliant young man? And that's the first step he takes out of, out of college is working for this company. Right. Um, he says that he wasn't doing anything that bad, although he was working for healthcare companies, Blue Cross Blue Shield, one of the biggest in the country in Minnesota. Um, so that raises some questions. What was he saying to them? Was he saying, hey, make sure you provide health care for cheap for everybody? That's obviously not the goal of that company. Yeah. And then there was that that New York Times piece in April that it was like an expose of this this shady group, this Stop Sanders group of, of corporate bundlers and, and influencers that were trying to organize uh, pro big money uh, opposition to Sanders early on, and, and Buttigieg was at one of the initial meetings. And this was reported in the New York Times, which is actually spectacular. I mean, the, the rest of the piece was largely a hit piece on Bernie Sanders, but they did let that slip. You know, I think I think this 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 is the guy that that the establishment has put up to to try to to to, to fool people, <laughs> to split the millennial vote to keep to keep Sanders from from winning. Um, and he's 37 year old, but he's not actually picking up among millennials. His numbers, he's people miserably. He's like the the OK Boomer candidate. Impression. All right. Yeah. Well. Okay. And I mean, obviously, I guess. In, in regards to his him actually doing something, so we have some reasons to be concerned because he's taking money from big bundlers, he's hanging out in wine caves, but another thing is he has no experience at the federal level. He's coming in and he's going to have people all around him who are basically going to groom him and they're going to say, hey, buddy, this is how it fucking works. But this happened, I genuinely believe this happened with Barack Obama when he came into office and they said we're in an economic crisis, Larry Summers and a bunch of other people around him said, this is how it fucking works. You've been in the Senate for four years. I've been in, uh, you know, in, on Wall Street and in academia and in D.C. for 50. This is how we do business. 
you rely on the banks. If you fuck the banks. They're your handlers. They, they, yeah. they tell you where to go. They, yes. they tell you where to shit. And they, they answer your phone. So my concern with Buttigieg is that he has not in any way shown that he has a strong enough moral compass or experience to push back against the people who say this is how the world works. Corporations have this role in the government, and the wealthy play this role, and you're our friend, and we're going to work together to make America great. And we got you here. Yeah, exactly. Right? Sounds about right, Jaybridge? Yes, that's how it works. I think, um, I think Buttigieg would be fine. <laughs> it wasn't my first choice, but I'll take him as a second. Okay, now let's talk about your first choice. Joe Biden. Joe Biden? Anyone? He has nice teeth. I like his smile. Nice teeth, Lacey. Yeah, nice teeth. Okay. Yeah. Do you trust? Like you trust? A, you trust Joe? I mean, I would trust him. He seems like something I could get. I could drink a beer with. He kind of look like looks like like the stereotypical politician. Oh, all like, right. Okay, you guys are being a little shallow. You're focused on his physicality, but let's talk about Joe. Um, uh, hey, something we do know about Joe. He, the number we have is that he's, he has, he's been taking money, more than $100,000 from. <laughs> is that your Roomba? Is that a robot asking for maintenance? Get in there with a bat and kill it. <laughs> oh my god! Don't I don't ever want a robot in my house to tell me what it needs. Ugh. Uh, Alexa's like, I'm lonely. Can you please play with me for a while? It's like, no, no, Alexa. Okay, all right. Oh my god! Look at the robot. Definitely going in outtakes. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm recording the whole time here. Wow, Roomba. Get that Roomba out of the Roomba. All right, so what we do know about Joe Biden, though, is that he has he has had 1,923 bundles of money of over $100,000 kicked to him in the last few years. A lot of those bundlers are people who are giving money to Hillary Clinton, right? These, these are big money bundlers. And Barack giving, Obama. And Barack Obama giving money to Joe Biden. He's taking that big money. Have you, have you, uh, do you have any experience? Is he on U-Bundle? What's his U-Bundle? He is on U-Bundle. Mm. He's a frequent user on U-Bundle. He scrolls a little bit every day, I notice. Ah, uh, yeah. He's getting matches and hits and swiping left, swiping right. You know, he's using it. So it's full potential. Oh, so there's a swipe system. It's like uh, like Tinder, but... I don't want to talk too much about the inner workings of okay, the right. U-Bundle app. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. So he, but he, and he's not committed to, to not taking big money, right? He's not, he's not made a commitment now. No, he has not. And, and his, his large donor to small donor ratio is awful. <laughs> and um, yeah, he's a big problem. He's, his, his whole career has been... A capitulation to big money and special interests, and he's never really gone out and and bucked what the polls said, you know, because they were good for his political career, and taken a stand against much of anything, and you know, like for example, like gay marriage, you know, that's something that clearly was like. As a Democrat, he could have been been behind, but he wasn't. Not until it was popular. Well, a lot of Democrats are bad on that. And, and if if somebody who's of that moral character is put in the highest office of the land, they're going to continue to capitulate. 
All right. Well, I do. I, okay. I have a couple things with Joe Biden. I, I don't particularly like him. I don't think he's a total asshole. Um, I, I do. I do recognize, and this is kind of off topic, but on foreign policy stuff, he actually uh, did not support uh, sending more troops into Afghanistan, um, a surge in Afghanistan under Obama. And he spoke out very strongly against the intelligence state. He also had unpopular opinions about how to solve um, the crisis in Iraq. He was talking about subdivision, giving the Kurds their own state, which was very unpopular with Turkey and a lot of the intelligence agencies. He has some things where I believe that he has had a spine on some things, but it has not seemed in any way that he's had a spine about money in politics. And one of the reasons, and this is one of the biggest things that I think must be true, is that the only way you become a senator from Delaware is by taking banking money. Delaware has basically no taxes on financial transactions and is the home of the largest credit card companies in the country. And so the only way you can become the senator of Delaware is by being in sync with the financial industry. And and I have to just push back a little bit on Uh-oh. the foreign policy stuff. Okay, yeah. Just because, like, I mean, he voted for the Iraq War. Yes. The Democrats who voted for the Iraq War got an average of seven times more in campaign contributions from the war profiteers than the ones who voted against it. And if he is this foreign policy whiz that we're, we're claiming he is, then he knew very well what would happen if you invaded Iraq. But he did it anyways, because at the time it was popular. And, yep. and the mainstream media was beating the drums of war, saying, you know, this is the thing to do. And he did not stand up against the powerful fossil fuel industry, the weapons manufacturers, the war profiteers. And there's no reason to think that he would do anything but that as president. Mm. So I think we need to to look at that uh, and, yeah. and weigh that heavy. I can't really disagree with you. I mean, in the sense that I, it, he, he has not in any way said, I'm going to stand up to big money and make big systematic changes. That is not his campaign. His campaign is, do you remember how good it was under Barack Obama? Question mark. I'm connected to Barack Obama. That seems to be his campaign. And also that Trump's a big, big jerk. Okay. All right. Jay Bridge, Joe Biden. Joe Biden would be a great option. I think if it comes down to Joe Biden or Donald Trump, it would be hard for me to choose. Oh, yeah, that's – yeah, Jay Bridge. Yeah, right? It's hard to pick. It's hard to pick. They're both More so – More stability with Joe Biden for your capital. You know, Trump's this sort of wild card. Yeah. I trade mean, wars, you know, you maybe avoid those trade wars because he's not really going to be rocking the boat on that. Yeah, we'll see. It might be almost time to throw Trump under the bus and just get a new horse. <laughs> but those tax cuts do look nice, right? Oh, well, that'll happen either way. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> yeah, you think it's going to happen either way? Oh, certainly, yeah. Whether Biden or Trump, I'll be fine. Oh, man. I, that's always an interesting one where it's like with Hillary and Trump being like, oh, my God, did the powers that be, are they aligning behind Hillary? And what does that mean for me if she's the Democrat and she's the progressive person and they're blah, 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 quote, unquote, progressive because um, she supports gay marriage or like getting some health insurance to some children, you know, but being like, oh, my God, the banking interests, the war interests are lying up behind the Democrat. If Joe Biden is the candidate, yeah, won't a lot of big money and corporate interests have a they'll, – they'll be like, ooh, which one should I choose? Jay Bridge, yeah, you're sound, you sound torn. Maybe you'll flip the Joe. I wouldn't say torn. I think either way will be just fine. Well, every election, I make it a point to put my money behind both candidates. Uh, as a sure any, way to win. As any prudent businessman would. Oh, my God. And I just want to bring it back a little bit to one thing that we said earlier and just say that I think it is ridiculous that anyone would make the accusation that people meeting behind closed doors, exchanging massive amounts of money, and not allowing the press in, 
would have anything questionable to talk about. <laughs> you, okay. You, what? I, okay. Oh boy, Jay Bridge. <laughs> We're just having a good old time. Uh-huh. And that's it. A good old time? So do policy matters ever come up when you're no. meeting with Joe or no, Blue no. Judge? Joe and I, we just golf. Uh-huh. We never talk business. We make it a point to not talk business because we might argue. But if something if something were happening to one of your investments, do you think that you would get could you get a direct line to the president or one of his you know, one of his assistants? I mean would yeah, you he's be- one of my favorites? <laughs> yeah. You guys snap. Sometimes. <laughs> oh jeez. Okay, so obviously some problematic components with Joe Biden. And he doesn't sound very committed to change. Uh, although he still seems like maybe somebody who could beat Trump, but maybe is does it matter? No, if if, if he is nominated yeah. and he goes up against Trump, does it matter if you vote for Joe Biden? Does it matter if he beats Trump? Yeah. Does that help? I would prefer Joe Biden to Trump because you could you could depart from the the overtly racist lexicon and, and the whole um but wouldn't yeah. there wouldn't there probably be there on foreign policy though it seems like there'd be just as much of a chance of a either getting into a war or b like getting into a free trade deal that screws over workers in the environment just as much as trump i think that's fair because that i keep on coming back to that and being like oh we're not in a large-scale war right now you know i mean well we are i mean in 14 different countries or something like that but like we haven't started a new big war you know, so Joe Biden, man, you don't know, right? Okay. Anyways, okay. So hold on. Let's talk about some candidates who maybe Jay Bridge. Maybe they're not on your speed dial. Maybe they're not on your favorites. I said speed dial. What am I? Eighty years old. Um, uh, let's talk about Elizabeth Warren, right? Let's talk about Elizabeth Warren a little bit. Any first impressions, Lacey? Elizabeth Warren. I'm not so sure about a woman as president. Oh my God. <laughs> I noticed though, that, but Lacey, do you identify as a woman? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just wondering how well she's going to do up against all these male leaders all over the world. Okay. And I don't know. I think that she might want to reassess her priorities, you know, like how's her family doing? (sighs) Wow. So you don't think that she can be president and I think she's a grandmother, right? I believe you don't think that she can balance. Lacey, but do you think that she cares about Americans? Do you think she's trying to do something I to help? I think so, but I think that she might have better success just staying at home and doing wow. what we were raised to do. Wow. Do you, also, some, some people say that she feels it feels like she's a bit luxury, right? Like maybe like a, a librarian or a mom. Yeah, or like a, like that a, professor thing. I mean, I don't understand half of what she's talking about because she thinks that she's smarter than everybody. Okay. Oh, boy. But you don't think that she... Because she talks a lot about working families and trying to help working families. I haven't heard that. You haven't? Oh, boy. I'm not paying close enough attention. Wow. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, she's committed to not taking any money from... Wealthy bundlers, oh. right? Her loss. Her loss. Her small donation to large donation ratio is, is pretty good. It's you pretty know, good. Only only Bernie Sanders has a better small donation to large donation ratio. So she's getting more small donations mm-hmm. than large donations compared to the other candidates. Yeah. 
second only to Bernie. Wow, okay. So do you think that indicates something? Oh, yeah. That's, I think it's a really significant indicator. And she and she's not far behind Bernie. Okay. So it it is actually, she is getting grassroots support. Mm-hmm. All right. From people who want change. Lacey, apparently not Lacey, though. No? Have you contributed any money to any campaigns? No? You're looking at me. <laughs> Giving me a look right now. No? Not, not at all. I might have given $5 to the Trump campaign at one point. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah? Yeah. A little unclear on that, though. Okay. Well, okay, let's talk about Elizabeth Warren, though, right? Um, I, I, I personally, I, I have been a fan of her for quite a while, um, and it was actually, I, it was from a, a very early Daily Show appearance she had um, when she was the head of the Congressional Oversight Panel that was overseeing the bailouts, right? It was TARP. Um, she was brought in as an academic um, and by the administration, actually it was by Harry Reid um, in Congress. And she, in that position, really didn't have any powers but could write reports and she um, threw a lot of shit. She threw a lot of shade um, uh, at Timothy Geithner, who was working with the Obama administration, but also at, at bankers, um, at people who were using this money to bail out these companies and was asking, where does the money go? Um, are you paying your executives big sums? You're giving them big bonuses and are you going to stabilize the economy? And then was an advocate for creating large scale structural change on wall street that she wanted to change how banks worked um, how, you know, what percentage of their portfolio could be invested, blah, 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 that she was supporting this change. And the Obama administration didn't like it. They were actually mad. They were pissed. David Axelrod was pissed. And in some of the interviews on in the New York Times podcast this last week, David Axelrod repeatedly says that Warren was a huge problem to their agenda, that she was she was calling out the administration over and over again saying, hey, are you following up? Where's the money going? When are we going to get paid back? You know, are, are they going to be, are, are, is anyone going to be held accountable for almost collapsing the economy? And they were not happy about that at all. Well, I, I think the proof is in the pudding in the sense that she helped create something called the financial, uh, the Consumer Financial Protections Bureau, and the Obama administration basically didn't give it to her. They said, no, we don't want you to be in there. Because you're problematic because you're calling us out on our own policies. And that's not what we want. We need a team player. You're not a team player. So they didn't give her this this thing. And she then had to leave D.C., but ran for Senate, became a senator. So I, I don't know. I, I have some faith in the narrative that she is committed to saying that financial services industries in particular um, engage in problematic stuff to corrupt our democracy and uh, destroy the, uh, you know, Capitalism, actually. Well, just to, just to play devil's advocate, I mean, do you find it at all concerning that when she was pushed a little bit on Medicare for all, she immediately started to sort of backtrack? Do you see that as potential evidence that she, you know, when she's in office, that likewise, when 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 her her, her initial bold vision is is pushed back upon by the people surrounding her, do you think that that supports the idea that she might do that as president? I I don't know. I, I mean, my my read on it is the reason that she is backing away from saying that Medicare for all would be the, the first one of the first priorities or, you know, like that she's completely staunchly for it is because the numbers don't actually look great. Is that that there are a lot of Americans who have concerns about Medicare for all. And I have some concerns about Medicare for all. I want I would love there to be a universal health care system. Wait, Lacey, you have something to say about this, about, about health care in particular? I like my health insurance. Mm. It scares the hell out of me to think 
that my health insurance would be replaced by some like unknown government run government run big government insurance like and i hear that you have in canada right which has this you know whatever single payer healthcare they have to wait like two weeks to Mm. get an appointment Um, do you know people in canada who've experienced those waits or is this no, something you've heard through? I just saw a tweet about it. Was <laughs> oh, it a sponsored tweet? <laughs> we, you know, we need a choice. We need choices. And the competition between the health insurance companies, like, promotes the, the quality of the of those those plans. Yeah, I, I think I think this is part of what Warren's responding to is that, well, it's interesting you say that because... As we've heard in some of these debates, those are talking points of the insurance industry, and it sounds like you've adopted a few of those, or maybe they're playing upon some actual fears you have, right? Because you're sounds like you're losing your insurance, so even though they're going to the air quotes, man. Sorry, sorry, that doesn't really translate into podcast. So are you saying that even though you'd get healthcare for less costs, like you, like the amount you spend on healthcare would go down, you still would rather just hold on? To your old plan, like you feel like that's better for you. Who knows? What, I mean, look at the DMV. You know, I mean, government mm. run. It's clunky. It's it's not it's not effective. It's not efficient. And honestly, you feel like your insurance now is effective and efficient. I have a pretty good plan. Okay, good union job. What's your opinion of the post office? Post office. I mean, seems to work okay. Um, it's, I've always been amazed that they're able to take a package that you give them or an envelope and give them like 50 cents and they can get it across the country in a very short period of time. It's pretty amazing. Um, well, okay, hold on. So, but we were talking about healthcare, but we were kind of talking about getting money out of politics, but the, I guess for me, I don't think that she backed away from it because she's, she's taking money from healthcare industry. I don't think she backed away from it because you know, uh, Aetna or something is knocking on her door and she's talking to them about healthcare. I don't think she's having a conversation with health insurance companies right now. I think she's backing away from it because she's trying to win and she's recognizing that it's kind, it's good for some people to say Medicare for all because, you know, there's a base that's going to get fired up about that, but she's pivoting to try to win the general election. And a lot of people don't know if they want Medicare for all. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's an indicator that she's, that she would not be committed to getting money out of politics. But just to push back on like a little sub point you had there, which is that, uh, depending on how the question is asked, the, the, the polling and Medicare for all is, is very different. And sure. so in, in polls where the, where Medicare for all was actually presented accurately, it, it does win with majorities in this country. And I think that's significant. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I think it doesn't maybe change your overall point that that you know I don't think she is fundamentally corrupt, and I think it is a decision about about electability, and she's positioning herself a certain way. But that still is worrisome to me. Like we want somebody that's going to go in there and and fight for the gold standard and then compromise, you know, and they have to. If she's compromising as a candidate. As a politician, I think she'd be maybe even more likely to to compromise. Sure. And yeah, well, and this gets into a whole... In compromise in the worst sense of the word, not, you know... Well, and this gets into a whole series of things about Medicare for All, which you don't have to get into, but I do think Warren has consistently said that money in politics is a corrupting influence. It's it's as much a core part of her campaign as it is for Bernie. 
I think it is it is a core part of her campaign that she wants to get money out of politics, and she thinks it's a corrupting influence. I think that's accurate. Yeah. So, okay. So, Warren, uh, some reasons maybe to be concerned, but we don't really have a lot of ammunition against her to say that she is on the take, that she is taking this big money, and that she is maybe not going to reform the political system if she gets in there and maybe gets some money out of politics. So there's some concerns, right? Obviously, she she worked as a corp- corporate lawyer. She was a Republican. But it does seem since the advent of her political career, she has been focused on criticizing the financial industry, big money, and saying that working class people are getting screwed. That does seem to be, you know, she was, the first thing she ever did in regards to politics on a federal level was saying that she was, she supported bankruptcy protections for working class people Mm -hmm. because she realized that big business was always able to claim bankruptcy, but they were trying to strip bankruptcy protections or bankruptcy from a lot of working poor people that say you can't go in and claim bankruptcy and then say that you can walk out with no debt. And apparently Joe Biden was on the other side of that where he was, he was like, Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe we can restrict what people can claim as bankruptcy, uh, claim in bankruptcy. So I, I don't know. This is up for debate. We're going to get up some numbers. We're going to talk about maybe some more policy, especially in regards to citizens United on Warren, but let's talk about Bernie. Let's talk about Bernie. Let's finish this up with Bernie. Anybody, any thoughts on Bernie? Jay Bridge, Bernie Sanders, does he scare you? He talks about taxing the wealthy quite a bit. He's got some plans on what to do with some of your money. Yes, well, I don't think that, I don't think that's going to happen. Have you donated any money to Bernie Sanders? I don't believe so. Okay. Will you donate any money to him if he is the Democratic candidate? I wasn't planning on it, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, you'd, I mean, I might hedge my bets. He's if, actually not accepting money from billionaires. He returned well, a billionaire. A billionaire's wife actually gave him money, and he took the said, "I don't want it," and he gave it back and refunded it. So oh, yeah, so he, cle- he he clears the litmus test. The the can you clear it? Clear a litmus test. He he has he has no billionaires giving him money. Is that true? That he's not accepted right. any money from any billionaires. Period. period. Well, that's a bit of a problem, isn't it? Yeah, no, Jaybridge, do you feel excluded? I do, and I think that that is discrimination. Oh. And I think that it's classist. That he doesn't take your money. I think that he is a classist, I think he's a hypocrite, and I think that he looks down on the rich in the same way that some people look down on the poor. But what about all the people that don't have access currently in the current system, like you know, they all, they all want the access that you have. And wouldn't it be a better free market of ideas if if everyone could, could have access to the politician? Well, they do. They can vote for him. But, but voting for them and, 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 and having a wine cave supper, you have to admit that there there's a little bit of a disparity. Bernie is raising a huge amount of money. And this is, this is important, man. I'm sure you can speak to this. We've talked to him about it before, but he kind of invented the model of I'm not taking corporate money and I'm going to rely on small donations. And he's got the most money in the race right now. He's got the most money in the race by small donors, which is interesting. Although that doesn't account for uh, super PACs. Okay. But he's got the most money in the race and it's, it's, he's relying on small donors. So he is, so Warren's doing that. The same process, uh, no bundlers, uh, small donors, but Bernie kind of invented that model, which seems to say, you know, obviously this is, he is committed, he is committed to it, correct? Okay, what about Bernie? What else about Bernie? What That would seem to indicate that maybe he'd be getting money out of politics. Well, I think you have to look at his, 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 
history, his record of, of consistently fighting for the little guy, even when it wasn't popular, saying the same things that he's been saying his whole career long before they were accepted by the mainstream. And it suggests like why, if he's been doing that his whole life, why would he switch? You know, he's not going to switch for political reasons. He's never, he's never, he's never switched from his core beliefs. Yeah. Yet, like it, it just wouldn't make sense that clearly he's on a trajectory. His life is to trying to get these things that he's fighting for, and what core to that is getting the corrupting influence of money out of politics, and and c- promoting political equality. And so, yeah, it just it it doesn't make sense that he would, he would stop doing that. And clearer, I think, than just about any candidate. Yeah, and it's interesting too because I mean he's he has been in Washington for quite a while too, which is amazing because usually after a couple of decades of being in Washington, I mean, you know, I mean you got friends, you go out to lunch with the head of the other party, and you know a lot of lobbyists, and you had, you know you have connections. But he's been an outside. I mean, you see, well, he's, I, he's been independent, and that's significant because yeah. I think you know the You're power. Not part of the, party. the power is in the party. And so if you want to go in and just compromise and get, get, you know, shady things done, you're going to do whatever you need to do to get the most power. Mm. And he said, okay, I see that path. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to be independent because I want to be an outside voice. And, you know, I think, I think his, 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 him being independent his whole career or most of his career is significant. Is it, is it also just that he's from Vermont? Because, like, when you're the senator of Delaware, you got to recognize that there's a bunch of credit card companies. And when you're the senator of Massachusetts, there's, like, a bunch of, like, Boston Dynamics and all these companies. But when you're the senator from, Mass- from Vermont, you can just be like, yeah, I mean, the strategic cheese interests mm-hmm. of northern Vermont. Ben and Jerry's. I don't know how to yeah, so it gives you this like ability to exist in Washington as an outsider while still like serving your base. I know people in Vermont who are involved in politics and they've loved him for like over a decade because he is he has been good well, to the, the state. He's the most popular senator in America, but as per the population of each state. He's also the most trustworthy out of any senator. It sounds like we're really going for him here. Hold on, let's go to Lacey. Lacey, Bernie Sanders. What do you think? He seems like a really angry socialist type to me. It seems a little dangerous. You think he's angry? Yeah, it definitely seems angry the way he gesticulates. But doesn't isn't he talking about things that are worth being angry about? Do you think that he is has any connection to big money? Uh, that's his whole thing. He's not into it, right? I've, I think I heard about that. Jay Bridge, if you called Bernie Sanders, would he pick up the phone? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Has he ever been in one of your wine caves? One of your designed, well-designed, modernist wine caves? Do you think he's ever... We did do a few cheese caves in Vermont. Oh, some cheese caves. I see. (laughs) And I think I do recall seeing him at a cheese cave opening. Okay. Are those as ritzy as wine caves? No. No, okay. A little lower lower quality. (laughs) Much lower price point, I have to say. Okay. Matt, yeah, I mean, obviously Bernie also has been somebody who's been committed to overturning Citizens United, right? Which would probably be one of the biggest and most important things you could do at a federal level, right? Speak speak a bit about that. What do you what do you think? Do you think he has any chance of doing it? Do you think it's the right thing to do? I mean... Overturning Citizens United, I mean, that's sort of the... It's almost... A, it's an issue in the courts, really. Um, so it's tricky. So you'd need to pass legislation and then it would go to the courts and then it would get struck down. So I guess the question is, would he appoint... 
would he would he would he add Supreme Court justices to the to, to the court to to get a majority like FDR did? Um, yeah, I think he's indicated that he would, and that would be the sort of game changing. I think he fundamentally gets the crisis we're in. I think it's interesting. Everyone you know talks about him maybe being the first like you know atheist or Jewish or uh, democratic socialist president, but he'd be the first silent generation president. Mm. Sort of a weird thing. Um, yeah. Definitely, definitely from another era. Because he was, he was a child of World War II. And so I think he kind of, you know, because of that, he gets crisis in a way. And then he's like, sort of like, we need to do, we need to act powerfully and swiftly to, to sort of get to the, 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 to grab things by the balls, you know. And so I think, yeah, packing, packing the courts for, to try to save the planet, to try to save a democracy, I think is, that's the kind of thing he would do. And I think that's part of why I, I, I have confidence in him is that he gets movement politics in a way that I think like even Elizabeth Warren maybe doesn't fully get because he's really, you know, Elizabeth Warren was a Republican most of her life, right? Bernie Sanders was there using the tactics of movements and gets of social movements and gets the importance of bringing people in to not just having like politics be something that like people in Washington far away removed deal with, but actually encouraging people to march in the streets to be not just the commander in chief, but the movement leader in chief, because I think that's really what the times call for at this moment where we need people engaged with politics. And that's part of his, his MO and his whole campaign is about, is about getting low propensity voters out to vote young people. Um, communities of color, um, historically disenfranchised people, people who have been ignored by the system. And so I think, I think that will be an asset by, by strengthening our democracy, by engaging more people and holding rallies, that kind of stuff. I think that that's, that's what we need. Right but now. Matt, isn't there an argument that, I mean, Bernie, Bernie wants big change. But isn't it going to be hard to get that big change, right? The, the forces out there are going to be aligned against them. Is there an argument for why maybe Warren would say, okay, well, we're going to make change, but we're going to make change because we're trying to keep capitalism productive and we're going to keep, you're going to keep making money. The reason we're going to regulate markets, the reason we're going to reduce the amount of money in politics is because we need a free and fair system and because democracy actually works well with capitalism. But you think that Bernie, if he goes in, he wants the biggest change possible, that he's going to get it? You think it's more likely it's going to happen than an incrementalist? Well, I, I think he's got, he, he has a vision that's relatable. He, he keeps it simple. He doesn't get bogged down in policy details. And he's, he's a good communicator um, in, in, in a way that, that you know, polls show less educated voters like him. And so if we're talking about expanding you know, the assets and power, then I think, yeah, I think that's, that's what you can do. Well, speaking of less educated voters, Lacey, thank you so much for being with us. Lacey, any final words? It sounds like, sounds like you kind of have some favorites out there, but I mean, yeah, any last words for what you hope to see happen in 2020 in the election? May the best man win, you know? Man, man, best man, best person? Nope. Okay. All right, Lacey, thank you so much. Uh, Jay Bridge, thank you so much for being in here to take the time out of your busy schedule to, to talk with us. Thank you so much. Where are you off to next? Maybe a little polo, maybe a little golf, maybe some custom tailorings of some of my suits. I don't know. I'm just going to while away the afternoon. Sounds great. And any, in your hopes for the 2020 election? 
I would say first choice Trump, second choice Biden, 2020 America. Yeah. Great. Jay Bridge, thank you so much for being here. Matt, any last words? Thanks, John. Thanks for, for hosting this. And uh, until next time. Yeah. We'll be releasing the, the, the second part of this report in the coming days. And, uh, yeah, look out for it. Great. Thank you so much for joining us live from the Kingston Wine Cave tonight. (laughs) Thank you. We'll see you again soon. Bye.